Hello. Yes, this is on. Hi, you guys. How you doing, all you beautiful Bedouins? I just wanted to grab you for a second before we started this episode. This is, by the way, congratulations to all involved, and thank you for coming back and listening to the unofficial first episode. The second episode, it's going officially as episode two, but since we had the pilot, that's that's the reason. But this is the technically the first real episode because it's not just 12 minutes long. Um, I just wanted to start with like giving you this little short preamble as to kind of uh, set the scene and uh, give an idea of, of how things are going to be going on and, and some of my concerns moving forward. So um, one of the things you're going to notice is that there's going to be two forms of episodes uh, or like two forms of uh, format styles, format two formats. There's going to be the interview style. So that's me bantering back and forth with um, any number of guys or girls or you know, things that just happened to walk into the studio and um, we're going to be just using long form conversation. It's going to be um, compared to the pilot, which is more of a monologue slash ranty thing. It's going to be less produced, I would say. So less sound effects or with this one, there's no sound effects at all. I'd, I'd prefer keeping it that way because it, it tends to be a lot more natural, much more honest and um, no need to do as heavy a job on edits either. Anywho, yeah, as we go along, you're going to notice um, the differences between those two formats, and I'm open to new ones, so I'm going to be tinkering around with different kind of um, uh, little segments and, and, and styles to kind of make this interesting and, and uh, creative. So you guys are also part of this process. Give me your feedback. Give me your, um, your opinions and comments and any ideas you might have. I am looking for help in producing the show, especially on the mixer. I've got offers from some people who want to help. So if, there, if you want to help in any way and get involved, just let me know. It is so far a one-man job as far as at least the recording and the studio work. Uh, for everything else, I've had the, which is the second thing I want to get to, the most immense amount of support from uh, friends and family. Uh, big shout out to Hiram Abjoda, my friend. He's amazing. He designed a lot of what's going on in the studio, the table, and um, how the mics clamp on everything else. He has great work, architect, carpenter, renaissance man galore he's making his own or has made his own indie game um from bahrain so he's a bahraini who's made a, a indie game check it out hashtag lemons must die or at lemons must die find him on instagram and steam i think it's greenlit so you can go look it up i also want to thank Tarak Amar. he has been amazing captain t you can follow him on at captain t if i'm not mistaken either uh he's been responsible for the music you've heard on the show so uh that intro track that's sweet and hopefully one day copyrighted and Oh, when I have my own team of lawyers to just sue people for f like remixing that song one day. But yeah, in the meantime, feel free to mix away, you guys. But uh, I thank him for that and for, for a lot of help on giving me advice on the mixer and um, the mic stuff. Uh, I also want to thank my beautiful wife, Shada. She has been uh, the one, what the, like the all-in-one marketing team as far as uh, helping me brand the whole thing, getting the logo done, getting a lot of the graphics done. Uh, if you ever see any crappy graphics that have come up, especially on the Instagram posts that I put on like uh, to announce a new episode, that is definitely not her. <laughs> that is me, and she likes to make that clear. So um, thank you uh, for being my rock and uh, for uh, dealing with all the anxiety that just launching this whole thing has caused. Uh, did I forget something? Oh, yeah, the censorship stuff. Yeah, you guys are going to notice that there's uh, a lot of bleeps, a lot of uh, self-censoring bleeps, which goes against my very DNA. I was really struggling hard with the idea of should I be um, bleeping and not bleeping. And mostly because there's if we were living maybe six years ago, there was never any like um, issue with uh, monetization through YouTube and advertisements and whether sponsors enjoy um, or <laughs> to be fair, don't enjoy the fact that people say bad and naughty words. So since that happened, it's made me consider uh, my platforms where uh, most people will be listening to the show. From what I've seen, most of you guys are watching through YouTube. So um, for now, I'm going to just keep the bleeps there. Trust me, it is hell on earth to actually go through the whole recording and freaking look for every small whispery <laughs> that Ghazi just like, mm, let's rip. And uh, or I do as well. You're going to hear me saying a lot. And uh, I think there was one point where I said convergence about 16 times in the show. I wish I could have bleeped that out just for the awkwardness. The cringeworthiness. 
So yeah, if you spot a uh, if you spot an expletive or something that I didn't catch, props to you. I'll, I'll I'll find a way to give you a giveaway or a cookie or something or some Steam rewards or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, the thank you guys for tuning in again and for being a part of this. Uh, hopefully in the future, if we can, we'll figure out a way where you can support me directly and avoid the whole YouTube stuff, the YouTube monetization crap. Uh, but in the meantime, your support matters and shares and likes and subscribes and hitting that little bell button on the YouTube channel right next to the subscribe button. So thank you guys and uh, enjoy the show. Warning, the following statements, opinions, and humor expressed by Khalid do not represent that of a competent intellectual or, for that matter, indicative of a mentally stable human being. Any attempt at taking these comments too seriously will be met with the thundering Matt Lokad memes and years upon years of emotional eating. That being said, Khalid is unrelentingly driven to providing you the most valuable commodity available to any new podcast, a pompous use of big words, deafening awkward silences, and the pursuit of annoying unspecific small truths that kind of help yet somehow don't. Welcome to Bedouin Banter. I'm your host Khalid al-Dosri, again coming to you from the island kingdom of Bahrain. And today I have uh, one of my special friends and colleagues that I've uh, had the pleasure of knowing for almost a year and a half, I think now. I think so, something like that. Something to that extent, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> Please uh, share in my joy in welcoming uh, my friend Ghazi Shahabi, uh, a, a journalist here in Bahrain and uh, another geek aficionado, lover of Warhammer 40k and all kinds of sci-fi sh- <laughs> apologies, apologies if that got a little bit too graphic or if uh, I had a little bit of mic spike right there. I, I think even the, the mic got offended for a second wanted to pull back. I, I don't want anything to do with this, man. Just leave me alone. Devin, this is supposed to be a clean podcast. Yeah. Good, you know, family values and all that stuff. Not today, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not today at all. Let me pull back on some of that gain as well. I feel like I'm, uh, like I said to some of you before, I'm still starting to learn how the tech stuff works, and it's a bit of a trial and error thing. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, he's just messing around with a bunch of like knobs and things. He's, <laughs> he's used to playing with his knob. It's there. I have many knobs to play <laughs> with. A lot of them require lubrication as well. <laughs> it's what happens when you buy Behringer. Mm. No, Behringer, this is not a slight on you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. <clears throat> that's a bit of a. That's a. It's a I think that's an abdiriling for now. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, Ghazi, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do in Bahrain, and uh, what's your background? Uh, my background, in terms of education, I've studied uh, English language and literature at UOB, mm-hmm. and I've been a journalist for about a year and a half now. And um, aside from that, I am, well, I like to consider myself a full-time nerd and a part-time poet. And, um, yeah, I've been doing all sorts of, I've been involved in different types of uh aspects of nerd culture you could say yeah and that somehow found found its way into your job and into entertainment i i try to inject as much of it into my job whenever there's any sort of like geek event i would like to i try to plug it yeah i try to push it to the newspaper and then they're like okay fine do it Whatever. exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> and ironically enough i i didn't even know this about Ghazi when we first met because uh uh, p- part of the uh, we met actually in the same group in the amateur uh, theater society that I'm part of the Manama Theater Club. Woo-hoo! Shout out to you guys! <laughs> and uh, it was ironic because the first time we met, she's <laughs> already laughing because th- there's probably a video of this out there somewhere, and, and some of you f- are gonna just some, hunt this down. Some very beautiful blackmail material. Some very beautiful blackmail material material that is uh, indicative of uh, some of my darker sides. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know if uh, those of you not familiar, uh, the Brits just enjoy drag. They love that stuff. They love that stuff. It's just to no end. So every, every British actor has done it at that, some point yes. or another. So we had the, well, what's known as the Dame Off. And the Dame Off is the, uh, volunteers and people that kind of have and good humor and, and, and just joy and fun, which is you just dress up guys in, 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 in women's clothing. And you just go out and put your, sp- your best skit forward, your best <laughs> leg forward. 
in my case, <laughs> a very hairy leg forward. It was, uh, yeah, that was the first time uh, we've ever met. And like the, a week before that, I was doing a production. It was like a mock Shakespeare thing where I was in drag yes. for, the, for the show. So, so there was a lot of like common ground there. Yes, we had a, a, like before, like any words were spoken. Nothing. We were, we were just we connected. Yeah, we did. We did on that ground. <laughs> so he he is a bit of a wordsmith. Uh, you, you will see that come up uh, in the d- different shows and stuff. And, and we're gonna be talking about a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the, the commonalities there. So Razi, um, getting back to kind of like uh, the topics at hand, I wanted to ask you about um, your influence. Like, uh, let let the people know what what is it? Why is it? Why has geek culture been so relevant in the Middle East? What 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 is it about it? Like I specifically have my own story from Saudi and my theory is about why it spread so rampantly. Mm. But for you in Bahrain, yani, what were your influences and why did they affect you so much growing up here? Let me tell you something. Being a kid in let's say the early 90s here, mm. if you're not into sports, you don't you know, you don't have friends. Yeah, that's you're right. You're not into sports, you're not into cars, you're not into that stuff. What team are you? Barcelona, Chelsea, what are you? Some, something to that line. Edit. You, you don't, there, there's nothing for you to do. Mm. So, like, I don't remember exactly what was the catalyst because every time I think about it, it's a different thing. And one time I think it was the first time I played a video game was Crash Bandicoot. Right, yeah. From the, like, PSX. That was your first game? It was, like, the first game that I finished start, like, start to finish. Like, so I've played, like, stuff on the NES, Mario, and Duck Hunt, but so I've never... Before that, you were a quitter, is what you're saying. You just abandoned all those... Like, I would go to my friend's house, and they would have it. I didn't have a console back oh, then. Oh, yeah. all right. So, like, I would, like, hang out and play as much as I could at their place. When you was know? this? Is this, like, late 80s or, like, early 90s? Early almost? 90s. Early, yeah, for, but, but was it, like, the games that you were playing? Because just to inform some of our <laughs> viewers, there's going to be a lot of times where I'm going to say... Um, um, late 80s, even though we were born like around 85 something, I think that's uh, you're a bit younger than me. Mm. But um, a lot for us, especially in the 90s, if you're part of a developing country, there was a lot of games and movies that would show up delayed to very, us. So maybe very b- late, very late. So it would be like three years later, four years later than anybody else. So for us, a lot of the 80s stuff and a lot of the 80s games, especially the late 80s and early 90s, came about. I think around 95, 96. Yeah, something that was that. that was like 96 was a big year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thing is, like, I never got the Sega Genesis. I never got an NES. So I've never played any of the Zelda games, any, like, of the Sonic games, other than, like, the times I would, you know, crash at a friend's house and be like, oh, what's this? Right, yeah. <laughs> you, th- that was the thing, though. That, yeah, that's kind of no, what connected people as yeah. well, the, the whole getting together. Yeah, you know, you, you go over to a friend's house and you play video games together, and on, like, you know, split screen, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something that is very sorely missing in today's multiplayer world yeah a lot of people do have a little fanatical relationship with like what happened to actually just chilling at home with your mm. friends you know whether it be the old uh, the old red alert games which is a strategy <laughs> game if you're not familiar with it it used to be on the playstation and one of the, i think it was ps1 used to have the first ever console link or the ps link or something like that and me and my cousin would just set up the wire cable from our <laughs> ps to his ps two TV screens and play that game like for hours on end. And it was the thing that got people together. It uh, didn't matter what background you were, mm-hmm. if it was, you were into cars, you were into anything else. In the Gulf, it was kind of like, you know. Yeah, if you had a console, then you had some friends. You had some friends. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. But for me, the, m- the first major console that I had was the PS1. Yeah. And Crash, the Crash series was what I remember spending the most time on. And other times when I think back, like I try to pinpoint where it all started, I remember... Um, you know, going to uh, local like the, the bookstore Joshua Mall mm. and seeing a Spider-Man comic, I'm just like, "Ooh, what's this?" Right. And yeah, ever yeah. since then, I've been reading comics. Well, on and off, on for and a off. long, long time. Interesting that you say that because my background as well. It started uh, for behind is Joshua Mall is your bookstore. That's for those of you that don't know from the other uh, parts of the world. It's kind of like your Barnes and Noble here. Mm. It started off with it. So ours in Saudi was Jarir. And I think it, what drew me was the censorship. I, I personally loved them because my mom and other people would just buy them. They used to, my mom was obsessed with like Disney comic books and Archie and stuff like that. And automatically I'd just go and when she'd buy, a, you know, an Archie or like a, like a Donald Duck or something, <laughs> I'd just go buy, a, you know, Spider-Man mm. and, and Superman and all that. And it was never, there was never any continuity. Like there'd be like. They were like months apart. Month, yeah. It's, oh and my God. Like y- y- You'd be lucky if you get like three issues in a row that are related to each other. Right, yeah. And they're like always like, you know, behind by a year from the actual continuity. That's so true, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys got any of this, but we had the censorship issues as well where they'd like, 
They'd either rip off a whole page when oh it was. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like uh, there's like these levels to censorship in Saudi where they'd mark out all the like the you know the titties, the, the, fleshy, the, bits. the fleshy bits, all the little like the how haram. dare you look at this? The harami bits, don't look at that, right? Or Wonder Woman. Please, no elbows and ankles. Yeah, I never thought I'd see Wonder Woman in a hijab. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but no, she's like I like that the hijabs that they had in the comic books were actually conservative. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like they they didn't like draw on a headscarf. They would leave her hair. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So. <laughs> So I think at least our censors, or whoever they were, they were actually a little bit closer to the to the moderate side than they were to the to the extreme conservative. They're like, see, we're we're understanding. You know, you can see her face. You think that guy like got the gig so he could get like firsthand like the comics early? I guess. And yeah. then like you know he would read them, have fun, and there's like, okay, fine, time to scribble. So yeah, yeah, just just like uh, this is where I can scribble. This is where I can't. You know, <laughs> this is, this is where, because he did have degrees. I felt like whoever had that job was trying to make it seem like, you know, I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I'm trying hard <laughs> to maintain this level of, like, you know, concern for your well-being. And, you know, it, it even go to a point where sometimes it gets so markered out that the ink would stick to the next page oh, and God. rip. I hated that. But some of them would actually ha- be very considerate and just not even do that. Just rip out the whole page. That's, that's <laughs> very nice of them. <laughs> that's very that's nice very of them. Nice. Where they're going, you know what, this whole page has just gone wrong, so screw it. Um Another like big influence, what I would think like the first big sci-fi series mm. that uh, got me into reading in like more than just you know nerd culture, but actual like reading as a kid, right? Was the Animorphs series? Animorphs was that the Transformers? Right? Those are the kids who would turn into animals, and like you'd have like little pictures in the corner. If you flip through the book, you could What's see like this? a kid. Oh, is like it a, a, a squid or like a bear or oh something? Oh God, this this is flashbacks to some Kool Aid commercials back <laughs> in the nineties. I think this this was the MTV generation. I'm pretty sure. Like I, I can imagine it was Animorphs. I can't remember what that was, but I'm confusing like that. Animorphs, Goosebumps. Those were like the big major like nineties uh, young adult children series. Right. That were that had a little bit of an edge to them. Yeah. And you know they they were more imaginative than your standard. Uh, young adult uh, like ki- or kids books they're, they're not even young adult books they're books they were like kids books do you think that stuff like the, the, i feel like it doesn't exist anymore but i kind of hated it at the time felt like you know when you're rebelling as a little emo brat you feel like you know uh, you know well i didn't actually say f- the system at the time i didn't have the balls to say <laughs> it I, d- I did feel like i miss it now for that feeling of like you know th- this is the thing that, that, that doesn't make any sense to our culture let me try to translate figure it out why people hate it why people love it yeah. do you feel like there is this this equivalent to that today do you feel like kids have um attachments and obsessions that are misunderstood um i know minecraft is one of them but like there's always there's always backlash to whatever is popular right right there's always be that that group of people who hate whatever is trending yeah and yeah. no matter how innocent or how silly it might be you know anything there are people who are demonizing fidget spinners yeah <laughs> uh, just to explain a second for for everybody listening uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times when things get really trendy, really popular, like I remember Pokemon that, that oh happened god. as well. Oh god, they banned it in Saudi, or they tried to ban it. They basically wanted to convince people that Pokemon was some Zionist conspiracy. They wanted to make Muslims gamble. I do not look. This is this is this is always the case, you know. No matter what it is, it's popular. We've they had try to demonize it for whatever reason. Yes, we've had fake news. If fake news is popular now, we we've had fake news for like thirty <laughs> five years, man. Fake news hipsters. Fake news hipsters, way ahead of everybody else. I think it was you that shared it the other Midget day. Midget spinners. Midget spinners. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I think yeah, the the fidget spinners so you shared it, I think, or somebody else shared it. It was uh, they showed like the trifecta. Yes, it was like you know the it's like the some sort of like the the holy trinity. Yeah, it's supposed to make kids you know turn Christian all of a sudden. This was hilarious to me, the idea because this is where critical thinking k- kicked in for me and mm-hmm. made me like doubt some some stuff. I was thinking, why why the hell would anybody go to these lengths to kind of fool us? Then you have to ask yourself the question is. What if this is just some stupid troll thing? Like, how serious was the person? Because, you know, the troll culture and, like, being overtly silly and overtly, like, uh, what's the word, sarcastic or facetious. Right. It's become so hard to tell the difference between what's seriously crazy and what's seriously mocking. Or, like, what's, what's, what's satirical anymore. Because 
it's often that the serious stuff is even more like it's even crazier and out of you know insane out of nowhere than it, the satirical yeah, it, stuff. It just it you think it's you, you you listen to it thinking this has to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is a joke. Yeah. But somewhere out there people believe this. Yes. Like we have and I I can't remember where I read this but that there was a rife problem that a conspiracy theories have always been something uh, that was just systematically uh, 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 kind of infesting the Middle East because we just we enjoy it the story the 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 rumors the theory of it you know what I mean and uh, especially the fidget spinner when I see it and and the idea behind it is okay Christians or Jews or Zionists whatever it is they're trying to make Muslims do something without realizing they're doing it they're trying to taint and corrupt your soul they're they're trying to you know control the children they're trying to control the children brainwash them into thinking that you know they should be christian they should but here's the thing what how are you worshiping without knowing is there a point system out there before any of that is like what how much like logical gymnastics do you have to do to connect those two things yeah why not just like say like i, I think the straight up propaganda would be better you know what I mean? like, than wasting your time with that I straight remember. up straight up saying that um it's you know it's being marketed as a toy now yeah. it stopped being something that people use for stress relief and uh, it's become a trend mm. and it's no longer what it no longer serves its original purpose and now people are mass marketing things as making it into a business. Right. And it, it, it's been distilled from all of its original purpose. Right, right, right. That is a more logical explanation, more logical way to hate something than saying, you know, it's supposed to mind control your kids. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't I, I don't get it. It's like, I remember once I was thinking about this, Ghazi, on, on that point. If you're going to go to conspiracy theories of that length, out there somewhere... Somebody that's kind of designing these things to look like, you know, the Trinity or designing it to look like. I remember one time it was Coca-Cola where they'd say if you put it, you put Coca-Cola in the mirror and it would reverse, it would read in Arabic, no God, no Muhammad. Right. I remember this clearly and at the time. I, somebody made a joke. I can't remember if it was a friend or a teacher. They said, well, you'd have to be drunk in the first place to see that anyway. So you're a sinner. God damn it. So, but. If if that really is the case, let's assume that people actually out there do manage to like fabricate and 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 do and implant these like hidden messages, right? There has to be a graphics department out there somewhere, <laughs> you know, because it's not just the guys that are committing the assassinations and everything else. Yeah, there has to be a marketing department, yeah, an arts department. There's the you know, it, it's an entire you know infrastructure of right. people, and like it's a very well organized. They got triangles everywhere. Oh my triangles god! Triangles for days. That's yeah. my favorite. Thing. I can promise you, there's no way they can get, let this slide because if you are that much of a genius to be able to like hide a penis in Lincoln's face, you'd you'd be you'd you'd be brilliant because you're not only doing art, you're trying you're trying to manipulate and, and send out a message. I'm telling you, I'm married to a graphic designer. They will not shut up about how, how good their work is. They have to let you know how important the work is. Hey. If Disney movies could get away with putting sex jokes and penises in almost all of their original, <laughs> I remember the Little Mermaid cover. It's a giant dong there. Well, but that's that's more plausible to me because it's an artist who's going to go brag about it later. Do you know like, what hey, I mean? I put a, yeah, because if you put, put a, a penis in the Little yeah, Mermaid, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're putting an Easter egg in there, that's your ego, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't keep the secret. The fact that you're putting it in there is your ego in the first place. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you're going to go. I did that <laughs> because you know, like if the whole graphics department, let's say, like let's say, like a, a maybe like twenty guys, thirty guys, right in the middle of the Pentagon somewhere, <laughs> that are trying to spread this like crusader mentality to the Middle East, one of them has to be a prima donna. If you're getting the best of the best, one of them has to be fucked up in the head and dramatic as all hell, right? So one that. Day. There's going to be like a big coming out party. It was me. <laughs> it was me. I did 9-11. I, I made it. I faked the moon landings, motherfucker. <laughs> that was me. I doctored those like, photos. Like the moon landing crew. Right. Is like they have to be assassinated, right? Because right. no one who had worked that hard to get all that to look that good would shut up about it. This is no longer the day and age of, you know, uh, Van Gogh dying right. without, you know, selling a single painting that's no. right this is the day and age of spin where everyone's like trying to sell you something 
True. Everyone's trying to sell you something. Everybody's trying to sell you. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody's got a tactical mind about how to get ahead and how to make themselves better, right? And especially if you're talking about any creative type, there is no way I would believe for a second that even if you have the most organized kind of like group of people and the most professional, it is always, it's the story of humanity. The story of humanity could be summed up in one f***er dicking it up for everybody else. That is really the case. You know this. If you're working at a corporation, if, you're, if you've got a job somewhere, it's always that one f***er who brings everybody else down and you just take it as part of life. This is just the, the thing I have to just deal with. Day. Yeah, if we didn't have to deal with this shit, we'd be robots. You know, but. It, it, Back in uh, the 1940s, I was there. A dude named Hitler out of Germany. Yeah. Now it's a guy called Drumpf. Drumpf? Strumpf. Strumpf, like something like that. Something guy. like that. He's yeah. got like these weird orange skin. I Looks don't know like a pumpkin as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Man, well, that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a nice one, though. It just shows you our own frustration with like, uh, like if, if people are sick of conspiracy theories now, we've been dealing with them for fucking years. <laughs> So um, let's get back to something a bit more uh, about the region and kind of our own backstory here. Uh, like, uh, for me, like I said, for me, when I, when I started, uh, I think, especially my geek background, uh, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't find a lot of commonality with in Saudi. Uh, but the one thing that kind of brought, especially like, you know, a lot of people are into anime or they were console players. I was more of a PC guy. I, I, but it happened later on because of some of the influences I had from abroad. And... I used a lot of gaming analogy to kind of, you know, uh, share common ground with people I never expected I'd be friends with. Mm -hmm. In that sense that, you know, for a lot of people, I may be a chicken nugget. You might be a chicken nugget. Really. What? Uh, Me? Yeah, what? I, I am insulted, sir. I will... <laughs> I, I will not be sit here and be and be talked down to. Talked down like the Western baby. <laughs> You've been poisoned by Western influences, sir. <laughs> you are no longer part of the culture. But yeah, I have never been part of the culture. What are you on about? There's no, there's no culture. Jesus, I can't. Oh, Jesus, that means, uh, <laughs> there you see, go. See there you there go. You there you go. go. People are gonna hold that against me for the rest of my life. I know that for a fact. Okay, somebody's gonna be able to see he mentioned Jesus, and then somebody else is gonna be say, well, Jesus is a prophet in the religion, and this can go on back and forth. Be like, yeah, dude, we, we said from the beginning we were not I gonna. Know, I know. No, just stay out of religion for a while. Okay, we want people to actually enjoy the show. So <laughs> we want to get, you know, the cool people, then we can you know, go for the insane. Democratic. Yes, that's right. So if I'm going to speak just about myself as a human being who's go who had to, like, kind of connect out of outside of my bubble and, you know, find some form of escapism that made sense in my life. A lot of the times it came uh, from the most unexpected sources. So there's the, I had friends that we played Tekken with that were metalheads in Saudi. I had friends that were RTS lovers that souped up their cars. I had, you know, the most Bedouin-looking motherfucker, you know, like, <laughs> I love this shit. <laughs> if I have to translate that, it's like one Bedouin going, I love Metal Gear so much. This is this shit. You know, I, I think the closest analogy, like, to the west of a Bedouin would be a redneck. It would be a redneck or, like, if you're Latino, like, Chola or something like that, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's our, like, you know. They're our rednecks. Yeah, they are. They are. They are our rednecks. And you, you love them to death. A lot of them are just really pure-hearted and fair. And, and, and we're talking about the guys who are, like, actual, like, Bedouins, not the act. No, no, guys. the real. I'm yes. talking about the real shit. Like, there, there's way too many of the act. Oh my god! The, yeah, there is in Bahrain because there's, a, there's because a they idolize they idealize that thing, but they yeah. don't want to actually do any of the exactly the lifestyle. No, I can spot a Bedouin. Do you know why I could spot a Bedouin? You, there's one difference: is that somebody who is a real Bedouin has such a, like a, a true curiosity. There's mm -hmm. a heartfelt curiosity. It doesn't matter what it is you're into. If you're putting on something that's anime, if you're just watching a movie, if you're playing Warhammer 40k. The curiosity is brimming. Like I remember, my, I think it was my dad who kind of gave an example of this once. Is that Bedouins when they when they like kind of welcome anybody that's outside of the tribe to their the, the tent or any area that they're living in, and a, a, a British guy might pass by with a car, and if he's never seen a car before, and this we're talking about like 1940s, mm -hmm. 20s. Nowadays they know what cars are, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. <laughs> yeah, but like if we're talking about 1920s and 40s to that period, the old days, the, the old school Bedouins, uh, they would just be fascinated. They would not be afraid of the unknown. Mm -hmm. They're the, the whole mentality is I would invite you and welcome you into my tent. And the, hosp the hospitality of Arabs came also not just because of benevolence to wanting to share my, 
my, my hearth with you and, you know, the fire, the, the, the coffee, all that. It was also to find out everything there is to know about you, this brimming curiosity, because knowledge was power to them, right? If I knew what you were, I could tell if you were an enemy or not. I could tell whether or not you, you're a threat, uh, what kind of technology you have, uh, any advances I can kind of pillage and, and take and for myself or make alliances with you, right? I could, I could marry one of my daughters to you and then gain an advantage in life. So Bedouins at their, their heart, they're unafraid of new things mm -hmm. because they're just dying to talk to people. They're dying to know what's in the outside world, right? Right. But this, a lot of the modern Bedouism is all about, you know, the Arab identity. Right. I am like the, the, you know, there's no one better than us and we don't need anyone else and we don't need to, you know, interact with other people. Yes. You know, we're not even going to talk, speak in their, any other language or exactly. any other dialect. Exactly. Other than this fake shit that I picked up from television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is. It is a lot of like, I, I like uh, safe play. I'd it, say it's. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, over like hyper masculine. Yeah. Look at me. Be it like the the manliest man that has ever manned. Well, it's it's the easy way out. It's like I'm gonna buy this persona. I'm gonna mm -hmm. buy into it. Here's the kit, right? These are the sunglasses. Yeah. They're oversized. They're Gucci. <laughs> You know, here's the the, the, the the very, you know, like Arab, Igal, or Qatar, or whatever it is. You're yourself right? the biggest <laughs> car to compensate for your penis. Yeah, exactly. Depends. I drive an SUV, so I'm not, I don't know what that that's, that's supposed to say. But <laughs> in any case, uh, the, the guys are misrepresented, I feel, in the culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's become tied into this, like, what is our Arab identity, mm -hmm. right? And... Uh, I just wish I'd see a lot more of the guys I grew up with, with that brimming curiosity. So a lot of them were, um, they got hooked on anime, man. There was a solidarity between them and the Japanese. Because for some reason, they would look to all the other cultures in the world, whether you're you know, from the UK and the, uh, the Americas or something else. And maybe the Americans have a bit more of something you know, to kind of understand for Saudis, you know. East and West Coast are both liberal. The center is conservative. Mm. You know, this is a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of similar undertones there. But for a lot of them, Japan was the answer. Because Japan was like, oh, th look at their advanced technology. Look at all the philosophical stuff they discuss in their, their anime. Look at all the chibi, cutesy mm. books they did fall in love with. <laughs> you waifus. Know, waifus. waifus for days. So, yeah, there, there's, there's the flip of that spectrum, mm. the both sides, right? But uh, at least the Japanese did represent for them you know, a culture and a people that wanted to progress into the future, but retain their identity, mm -hmm. right? Now, that is, like I said, an obsession that we as Arabs have. How can we move ahead and still retain our identity? Now, I, like I made an argument um, in the first podcast where I was saying uh, that there really is no one identity. Nobody really represents us because we've all grew up with like different backgrounds, different experiences, different kind of uh, families, different systems of belief, different... Left and right, you like know what I mean? It, even like among individuals, you ask someone like what defines you and they, you get a different answer each day mm. depending on yeah. how bad a yeah. day they've had. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's it's shocking to me sometimes, but I, I kind of feel like there's hope now because we're seeing, uh, I don't know if it's globalization, man. It, it, it plays a huge part in everything, man. But yeah, you see it. Like I was saying the other day that th there is... The kids growing up in China, kids growing up in Korea, kids growing up in Bahrain or India, whoever it is. I can talk to any of these cross-culture kids from developing wor worlds or otherwise, right? Whether you're from Scandinavia or anywhere else. And I see the same heritage. Like I see they grew up with Silverhawks, they grew up with Thundercats, <laughs> they grew up with the Saturday morning cartoon shows, all of them. They grew up with this or that or the memes here, the Chuck Norris jokes there. It's just... It's universal. The yeah. pop culture is universal that way. So what do, you, what do you think about people that say, you know, that's Western influence, that, that's the, the, the contamination of our culture? And even a lot of Westerners think that's the case. Like, to me, I never felt that way. No, it's, like I said, it's, uh, it's a universal thing. People love escapism, no matter what right. like, country or culture or identity there is. Yeah. And the better it is, the more popular it will get. And the more popular you get, the more widespread it will be, the more accessible. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. All, it's, it's, you know, it's a mixed match of all these different elements that would make a character like Spider-Man more, more recognizable than, you know, what's, his, what's it called? A local uh, comic here, Majid? Majid, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. Although, don't, don't, don't sh 
Majid. No. A lot of people love Majid. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's more accessible it and is, more well yeah. known yeah. than that because yeah. of all these different factors. Exactly. It's it's kind of fueled by international consciousness. It's it's I don't I feel I feel for a, the longest time, especially in that kind of culture, you don't get the sense that it is Western or American or anything. There are f- like hints and some stuff here and there, you know. But what Captain America is in America? <laughs> well, you know, like there's, there's small stuff that kind of changes over time. You know, Superman is no longer like a citizen of the U.S. and <laughs> like there's stuff to that extent. But but yeah, there like I said, there's hints of it there and there that's still you know this is an American thing. But I feel like it's become a global kind of uh, mythos, right? And I feel like a lot of that has to do with... the big word, mythos. mythos. <laughs> well, small word with big connotations. <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of that is, uh, especially the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of uh, diversifying within yeah. the cast of these worlds and everything like that, yeah. which speaks a lot to uh, people everywhere. If, you know... Uh, you see, like the the new Miss Marvel is a like a I'm not entirely sure. I think she's Pakistani. Is she? Is she? Yeah, I didn't know this. Yeah, she's like that. That you know, imagine like a reader from Pakistan seeing right. that, and like you know, it's a ima- it instantly clicks with them. Yeah, but is it forced, or do you feel like there is from like what I've read, it's it was completely natural. It was that's good. It wasn't like you know the. It felt like a very well-written story. I feel like you can get away with almost anything if you write yeah. it well enough. And they've, they've done it really, really well. And she's a very popular character, yeah. Kamala Khan. I didn't know this. I, I, I'm going to look this up. But you know what, what? I can immediately tell you off the bat that would probably surprise a lot of white people out there. They, they'd think that, for example, having that character in there would be, you know... Uh, uh, a kind of a reaching out, a solidarity to the East, and and here's you know here's somebody that represents different cultures, is not just white or all American or anything else. You gotta love them, right? And then they they might be surprised that they, they're, like there's still some people that are still offended, like you don't understand, or the guy you got to write about this chick, this Miss Marvel, he's not real Pakistani, he's but like a chicken he, nugget Pakistani. It's like he, they don't understand. How could they? Yeah, like, there's always going to be outrage over. Anything. Anything. Because there are people who live for outrage. Exactly. Regardless of whether or not it makes sense, whether it's worth it or not. Because it's 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 become another subculture, outrage culture. They're ready to right. pick a fight over right. the stupidest thing. Well, we've been having, like I said, this fight for years, which is like everybody trying to uh, one-up everybody else about their Arabness and mm-hmm. who's actually more Arab than anybody else. I've had some Pakistanis... Uh, you know, when, especially some Pakistanis that are more hardcore conservative that would see a Saudi like me, uh, you know, a, a bit more on the moderate to slash liberal side of things. <laughs> For them, far <laughs> liberal left, you know. Uh, and they would see me as kind of like, oh, they have to preach to me. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't preach to like a Bahraini or uh, UAE or they who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> None of those guys. They would not preach to them because, like, you know, heresy, we would not speak of them. Starts with a Q, ends with an R. We will not speak to them because they won't speak to them because for them, Saudi should be better than that. Mm -hmm. You guys are the, you know, you're the center. You're the yeah, you're the center of Islam. You're the pinnacle of Islam. You guys sent all the... T- like, a lot of uh, people don't know, a lot of the teachings that we have, that's like Wahhabi teachings from Saudi, a lot of them, like, transposed and started off being studied and kind of, like, uh, jointly spread around in Pakistan. You know, the Pakistanis took our influence and really hardcore believe in it. They're the number one fans. And we're kind of the guys that wrote the doctrine, you know, for how we interpret things. And we're like, oh, we don't really believe in it that much. You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, just take it easy. You know? Yeah, yeah, great assault. Yeah. Like Saudis, are as conservative as we are, you'd be surprised how actually like um, how easygoing people are. Mm-hmm. We're not like the average everyday Saudis is pretty much like live and let live, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just when you're in the public view or you're, you're, you're in public media that you want to go out and say, you know, I'm I'm this much of an Arab. I'm this much of a Muslim. All of you will follow me, <laughs> and if you do not follow this doctrine, for you have failed your kind. And you should be burned as a heretic. You will be burned. Well, stoned. Burning is haram. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Depending on your definition of stoning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so yeah, that that was the, the that was a lot of the um, a lot of maybe the, the the kind of the factionalism or factionism is it factionism? A lot of the fact inner factions that are kind of fighting within themselves with for mm. ab- about like the, the identity. There's right? there's definitely a schism in terms of like what the overall identity is supposed to be, yeah, what yeah. the ideal identity, and it differs from person to person, country to country. Yeah, and it's it will never be solved. But do you feel like you got a lot of that growing up in Bahrain? Like for you, like uh, personally, was that is that experience there? Personally, yeah, no, because I was a you know, I uh, I didn't hang out with a lot of people who you know were felt strongly about that. Shit. But was that selective, or is it just happened to be? Like it just happened to be because you know the people that I hang out with were like as much a chicken nuggets as I am. Right, right. See and that the the very few people who like felt strongly about that, I would just be like, yeah, okay. See, that's the thing. I kind of, I, I maybe at one age, like maybe around twenty or sixteen to twenty, I would have envied you guys in Bahrain and a lot of places in the Gulf that are a bit more liberal than where I grew up in Saudi. I was envious of the fact that you guys could be selective. And, you know, everybody would let everybody live in that sense. And, and you know, there was no real uh, nitpicking about who hung out with who. Except when it comes to the average, average everyday high school bullshit. You know? <laughs> Forget that shit. But from that side of it, I, today, I look back at my experiences in Saudi, uh, kind of the, the forced, because you want to hang out with people that share the same interests, mm-hmm. right? You're desperate to find somebody that's into Hooked on a Ken or, you know, Kenshin, or if you're desperate to find somebody that's into RTS games, uh, Starcraft, Red Alert, whatever it is you were there doing, you want to meet and, and build a community and have some friends and feel like you shared a bond with people. And desperation would kick in. You were so you were, you were so desperate to just be with another person that thought like you that you would not give a shit what their background was or what their religious beliefs were or anything else. So a lot of the times, the groups I was I, w- I was hanging out with in Saudi, you'd find like. Really, like vampire and rice-loving goths heads <laughs> that are hanging around with full bearded Wahhabi, you know, short thobe conservatives <laughs> that are into like you know, an anime and One Piece and all that, and and they'd just get along because it, there was this kind of like common understanding that guys we're all nerds and geeks, <laughs> like it doesn't matter what your religious belief is, we're all kind of like isolated in our bubble and we're desperate to kind of hang out and, and find other people that want the same things and share the same passion. So forget about everything else. Let's make compromise happen. It forced us to kind of get to know each other. It forced us to b- bridge that divide. And I feel like that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of the, the rest of the Middle East m- might've missed out on that. I feel funny enough my experience was the exact polar like opposite of yours where around like senior year high school start of uni like a lot of the people that i did that that had those like similar interests with i drifted Mm -hmm. away from and the group of friends that i got stuck with i use the term got stuck with (laughs) very deliberately because those i had nothing in common with those guys i would hang out and i had no idea what to talk about they were talking about like sports and shit and cars right. and yeah. i'm sitting there going how do i make this work i don't know anything about messi <laughs> like they talk about video games they talk about fifa yeah but i'm tearing out my hair here i know but that was like that was the way to kind of like break through and it's tough because you you, ha- you know that when like, a lot of people back then, it was just so easy to dismiss things, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have the desperation kick in, it's a different story. Now, in Bahrain, I feel like the, when I came here during high school, it was your story exactly. People were so clicky. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to break you know, the barriers and get to, to... I didn't even have the goddamn confidence. You know, <laughs> I was dealing with That's... the fact that, oh, oh my God, there are girls here. <laughs> How can I deal with the fact that our girls here? <laughs> that was like my biggest concern. Oh, I was like, I feel Jesus. like we need an episode just for that. Yeah, just like how, you know how you navigated. Oh my god, high school and that transition. It was so hard, man. It was. It was like I go there because I I was crying and bitching for years about the fact that I don't know where I stand in society. I don't know who I am in life. <laughs> and then I, maybe I'm maybe I fit more with Western culture. And then I go there, I'm like, oh sh no. <laughs> I'm awkward here. People people know things I don't know. They're they're very loud and social. I don't know how to deal with this. Oh yeah. 
it, it, it's, it was tough. Like, it was mm. tough for me. But I can imagine, like, even in Bahrain, be, seeing the mentality here and how people were that clicky. Mm-hmm. I wonder from your perspective, did you, did you feel, like, when did you see it change? Like, nowadays, geek culture is ready, readily accepted, you know, even if you're any kind of geek, you know, mm. whatever it is you're into, right? When, when, when did that goddamn critical mass happen for you? I, I feel like it, it had different timelines for different things. Harry Potter marked the, the revolution of people reading and getting into fantasy around here. Because right. everyone read f***ing Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, after that, it was for like the comic books and the comic book movies, I'd say the popularity of The Dark Knight and Iron yeah. Man. Yeah, Those were huge. Everyone started talking about comic book movies. Right. All of a sudden, you know, and in terms of video games, um, as much as I hate to say it, it's COD. Really? Call of Duty would, did, did that for... for like, like, COD would just brought together that sort of, you know, those guys who are just sort of like, oh, you know, I like to shoot stuff. And I don't yeah, but weren't those guys always around? They've been around since GoldenEye. They've been around since, you know, all those uh, first-person... For those of you guys who don't know video gaming in that sense, first-person shooters, you, you've heard of Call of Duty. You've probably seen Halo. Mm-hmm. And to me, there are the, uh, the mainstream introduction 101 to gaming games right and and they're not to say that they're for beginners or noobs or anything else they're just the quintessential yes video game stuff exactly like if you if you were not into gaming but you played goldeneye your skills are transferable later on to halo and then after that to cod after that to anything else right so Mm. it is something that i feel like did gain a lot of traction and the types i'm talking about and you're talking about do do play it like you know you know why no online multiplayer it would like sort of fill that sort of gap where they should they could just sort of pick up a game you know play for a couple of hours shoot people and then drop it you they don't have so? to worry about story they don't have to worry about characters and all that stuff it's it was just a fun time huh. killer and uh, that's what a good multiplayer game is a fun time killer right and for those people who I I I, I hate using terms like these casual gamers yeah it's, it's a bit elitist on our side it, it is, <laughs> it's, 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 it's very elitist it's yeah. very condescending and a i don't lo- mean it that way a lot of pc players out there like, console gamers is what you're trying to say sir shut up mustard grace <laughs> go spend all your money on steam yes i'm part of the master race now sorry i have to admit it's it's superior in every way it is there's no there's no arguing that but you know get off your fucking <laughs> Uh, what I mean is those guys who would buy one game a year, yeah. two games. It would be like a sports game and a shooting game. Right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Winning Eleven or FIFA. Mm. That's it. Or th- that, Pro that's, Evolution, basically. That sort of ticked in with yeah. the rise of online multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, with how easy it is to just jump in a game, play one or two rounds, and then, you know, do whatever the f*** it is that you do. True. Yeah. And... Um, I feel like that was a big part of the the what you said was what was the phrase you used maximum cr- the, yeah, the critical, <laughs> critical mass. mass like things just kind of yes. got so so heavy and so, so many people are involved it, it, in it it became part of the cultural zeitgeist yeah there was a tipping point mm-hmm. where that that just became well you can't you can't ostracize those people because mm-hmm. compared to a lot of people from the older generation you're playing something very inaccessible mm-hmm. to them you know what I mean like you might understand cod and you kind of you know, think it's it's pretty straightforward. But for somebody that come, you know, from my dad's generation or anything else, you look like me. You look like <laughs> a guy who plays Warhammer. Do you know what I mean? There's no difference. In their eyes, there's no difference. There's no difference. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, but, like, those things help with the accessibility and the uh, sort of general understanding of uh, nerd culture being part of everyday life. Right. And now, like, Marvel is one of the biggest movie the marvel cinematic universe is one of the biggest movie franchises in the world right it's right. a f-ing juggernaut and and that being said do you feel like you kind of use those uh those skills you know the transferable like language skills making analogies about movies and games and and bringing that to forefront you feel like that's got it increased also in your workplace like, man let me tell you how many times i've had to, i've gotten away with like assignments and stuff for as far back as uh like high school uh, I remember writing something for my economy class based right. on Metal Gear Solid about the war economy. No, you didn't. I, yes, I no, did. No, you didn't. Yes, I fucking did. This man. is like one of my friends better kind of did an analysis, I think, about Warcraft's economy <laughs> online or something. like. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, that's, and in, that's uh, pretty hardcore. <laughs> in uni, I did like 
often write papers about uh, comic books uh, in terms of li- literature and right, their effects right. on and their influences from literature and uh, video games, the evolution of uh, gaming and popular culture. Yeah. And I would take whatever excuse I can get to utilize my vast knowledge of unimportant things. <laughs> <laughs> to make that kind of to, flesh out and to, make sense to other to, people as well, or not? Uh, I don't know how well received it was, but you know, I managed to get away with it for those courses. So. Well, like I, I can relate because I had a, a a big chunk of my life. Whenever I'm speaking to some of my friends, that I just use analogies to um, describe things in life, and anything that regards improving your skill set or improving uh, your mental capacity to understand and absorb things, I saw it as experience points. Right. So a lot of the RPG mechanics, for those of you who don't know, role playing games, World of Warcraft, you've probably heard that before. So there's a lot of statistics being run in the background where it kind of calculates every little thing you do and awards you experience points. And through those experience points, you'd level right now with those games, especially, you know, a lot of those those RPG elements would transfer into strategy games, uh, basically war simulation games and, uh, you know, anything from adventure games to pretty much today, every other game, like even FPS games have them. And that that kind of built in you a strategic mind. So you would always like be like, okay, well, I want to level this skill up first because this would give me more ability to survive. And then I want the damage, you know, <laughs> I want more damage later on because I'm playing, you know, the end game, not the short game. Uh, and, and you tend to use those terminologies, you know what I mean? To kind well, of like... Let me tell you about a subreddit called Outside. What is this now? It's a subreddit where they see... The outside world as a video game like as this, in they, this reality is a video game well they might be right though and you know everything <laughs> they do is like you know it's, it's a massive like open world rpg with incredible graphics but really boring gameplay <laughs> Jesus. well i but is it an ongoing joke or is it's it an ongoing joke so it's not really people that believe it no though, no, no. Right? it's an ongoing joke that people like you know semi take seriously there's a lot of jokes about it there's a lot of like you know they, they try to break it down into like you know was leveling like, systems and things like that or like when you go to india it's running on ati or something right? <laughs> I, 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 that's not a dig on india might be more of a dig on ati than it is anything else guys i'm sorry <laughs> but um yeah like if, if if you're using those kinds of analogies like for a subreddit i understand it's an ongoing rampant joke right mm-hmm. but simply like myself i felt like there's a bunch of people out there that might be using video game philosophy to break down life into understandable chunks and it it made things clearer for me right so even today when i'm trying to be productive and stuff when i'm writing in my little productivity journal i look at them like they're quests you know <laughs> do the goddamn laundry do this, do that, uh, finish this. Oh, I didn't get enough XP today, man. God damn it. Well, I, I feel like that would have worked for me because I'm that kind of player who would just go off on their own side quest. Like, yeah. They would just wander off into the wild well, and, from- and ignore every quest, <laughs> everything. <laughs> no, <laughs> you I- know, following a dog or something. See, I, you're not systematic then, right? Oh, no. You're not. See, I am. I can't. Because there's a bunch of you out there that you're, you're this type of player, right? I'm going to explain who you are right now. You walk into a room, there's three doors, and you go, <laughs> Why? And you open one of those doors, and it's like a huge room, right? And you don't know if the other two rooms are going to be like just side bullshit rooms, mm-hmm. or they're actual like, come here and find out if there's another choice in the story type thing. So your OCD goes into overdrive, and you're thinking, why did you give me choice? Now, see, well, if I'm in any of those situations where... Um you know, I got to the end of the dungeon, but right. there's always, but there's this room like you know, a uh, few levels behind that I didn't go into because I thought that was this was a side room. Yeah. So I backtrack, go all the way there, die, hate myself, go back, <laughs> figure out what that side room was, find out it was an empty room, <laughs> so it, hate myself even more, then leave. But you can't. But then you I, are I, a completionist in I, that way. Especially for RPGs, I want to get as much loot and like experience and things it's like possible. that. possible, yeah. Yes, because, yeah. you know, it's widely. <laughs> right. Uh, but I'm not in the completionist and sort of like, okay, I need to collect all the boxes and all the like the, the, the feathers in Assassin's Creed yeah, and yes. all those letters. And the, it's like, if I see it, I'm going to try to get it. Right. But I'm not going to go out of my way to look up a guide and see where all, all of them are. And uh, to me, the worst is uh, like when I can't, I can't handle it if it's tied to story. Even oh, if God, it's bullshit. Yeah. I cannot, I can't, I have to. 
There's, because I, I was like, okay, but I'm missing out on some, f- like some aspect of the game that to like, get the true ending, you must find all uh, the eggs. Yeah, I can't. It's like this is because I have to say this is what the writer intended. Do you know what I mean? If I don't do it, no. then he just like I can't judge him anymore. The thing is, I have I, to do my never, do- it, yeah. It's never the writer who decides. You know, oh yeah, you got to find all the eggs in order to get the right. Uh, it's somebody that breaks it's, it apart. And, it's yeah. whoever like it's the game director's choice. You're like. Okay, we need to stretch out a couple of more hours in order to justify charging full release for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so now, they chop it up and $60, stuff. $60, yeah. let's say, yeah, you get this, and then you pay for the DLC to get the, the super secret ending. You're not helping me at all. Like, <laughs> I Now it makes it worse, because I feel like the writer is like, innocent in all of this, and he just wants me to see the whole story. Uh, and this game director, game developer, lead game dev has just kind of... It like, really depends on what kind of game and which... Uh, uh, what's it called? Company produces it. Right. I mean, you don't expect anything good out of EA. Well, You've seen what they did to Andromeda, right? No, let's not get into that. We're just going to end up uh, going to more of a tangent. Let's get back to like something <laughs> relatable to the average person out there. For, for you, like speaking of analogies, right? When mm-hmm. I'm when I'm using those gaming terms like experience points and all that, there was a long time where I felt like these references just not going over people's heads constantly. That was my entire university experience. Me saying some sort of reference and then blank stares. No one just like, really? Just people walking away. Have you not? How have you not seen Lord of the Rings, people? Come on! <laughs> it's just tumbleweeds and falcon in there. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Let's not get sued by Blizzard, please. I don't know. Is that, that, that sentence might be actually trademarked for all I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> they might do it, man. They, come on. You don't know. You don't know. But yeah, uh, that kind of like a progression. Do you, when did like when did it change for you? Because for me, I was like thinking, you know, I think it was what is it? I think it was Lord of the Rings or, or no? It was it was Warcraft, definitely World of Warcraft, because uh, it was the first time um, a bunch. Because you you had MMOs before that. You had EverQuest. You had Fantasy Star Online. You had a bunch of other stuff people played. That were, you know, massively, MMOs are massively multiplayer online RPGs. Well, MMORPGs. So that's the, for people that don't know that. And World of War, yeah. And World, yeah, World of Warcraft made that accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. So it didn't just make them accessible to this highly addictive game that was all about bringing people together, going on quests and, you know, being a completionist, being the best in your server, being the best in the world. It was also about this kind of like convergence of storytelling convergence of uh you know this heritage that comes from dungeons and dragons and all the rpg mechanics the convergence of gaming as well into one game the convergence of you know online players and competitive mentalities so it brought together all kinds of people it used to be like you know if you were an rts guy you had that mentality and you were just staying with your near subculture mm-hmm. and if you were a warhammer you know tabletop guy or a dnd tabletop guy you were staying within your subculture and nowadays it's kind of like all the subcultures are, are blending and merging into one and this like Darwinian kind of evolution <laughs> is kicking in and people are stealing from one another or not, not stealing, kind of absorbing the best out mm-hmm. of one another. And that to me made it, especially with like the rampant casuals that came in to uh, M- freaking casuals ruining our MMOs. Filthy casuals. Toss them over into the seas and let them boil. <laughs> No, that Reginald, was, uh, I've yeah. been touched by a filthy casual. <laughs> that was my good leader. <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's having those people that were just everyday people kind of come into the game. Uh, it, it blended a lot of things together and made it so easy to talk about movies, talk about shows, talk about references, and talk about um, you know things we shared in common that you wouldn't expect to, to, to kind of happen. And it was fun. It was really weird meeting other Arabs online. I don't know if you've had that experience before. Mm, I can't remember any of those. Like it had like until recently with like uh, playing Overwatch and stuff like that. Right. Uh, because the servers are very localized. Yeah. Uh, but going back like a uh, five years ago, World of Warcraft and his MMOs, you would I would hardly ever find any other Arab. Oh, I I did all the time because I well I got good information on which servers to kind of join that were uh 
you know, well, people kind of, especially with servers, people tend to kind of migrate or, or get, you know, they gravitate towards the the most successful servers mm-hmm. with the biggest names, yeah. right? And Arabs tend to get, you know, they want, we have a mentality of getting ahead, like the Bedouin mentality, you know, they have technology I want, <laughs> you know, they have uh, secrets, let me go see how I can take them. And um, that cu- brimming curiosity kind of, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the reason we kind of, you know, saved democracy and saved <laughs> science and saved all these things during the golden age of Islam because we wanted that stuff. We yeah. wanted to figure out how your tech worked. So in those uh, kind of server migrations and gravitation towards the best of the best, I noticed uh, I would be in a server and a guild. And this is like a common story all throughout where, you know, I'd meet somebody who's Saudi or something else. And I'll be like, oh, cool, another Saudi, right? And then I started regretting it instantly, right? <laughs> I, I, can you guess why? Why? All right, because the one key word of the day is going to be wasta, uh-huh. all right? Wasta is, how would we best describe this, Ghazi, to people that don't Nepotism, know? Nepotism. Nepotism, um, a, a more accessible word, maybe, <laughs> to find for <laughs> like the average everyday person. I would say nepotism, uh, uh, favors and you know uh, having an in having an in right your connections wasta yes. the connection to the in the in crowd the connection to success favors given out right and a lot of these favors are uh, th- th- it comes with an assumption you're mm. an Arab I'm an Arab we both are from the same country of Arabs therefore our connection is stronger say than a Mediterranean Arab right <laughs> and stronger even more than say a non-Arab, but still, if we're Muslim, we're strong, but not as strong as say, you know, like it keeps going up in degrees, <laughs> right? So if there's you're, levels to there's it. levels to how close we are as buddies, right? Mm-hmm. And it's assumed they assume if, if you're like me, you're from my background, you're gonna take care of me, bro. That's the idea. It's not about principles and what what it is you stand for, or whether or not we're kind of both competitive or both, you know, wanting to just have fun or both, you know, are cool with this or that. It's about that. And that scared the living shit of me because I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't hate you guys. I, I like you guys, but you know, you're 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 embarrassing me in front. <laughs> you kind of because yeah, they just you know like it's not it's not their fault, man. They like they they like they'd see me like being an officer in a guild or you know in, in a competitive game or something, mm-hmm. and they okay, he's one of us. He's out there with the Europeans, and if I don't like share in every belief system they might have, even if it adds to the corruption of the system in whole, mm-hmm. therefore I have sold out my kind. <laughs> How dare you? Heretic. Heresy. Traitor. <laughs> yeah, like I was always stuck, I told you. I don't, I don't know where I stand. I have no idea where I stand. I think I, there's a bunch of people out there are the same way, and you mm. know what, I say f- people that do know where they stand. Right? I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be held accountable to your flags. <laughs> They're going to be held accountable to your imaginary lines, man. Yeah, tell them, Screw you and your lines, man. F*** man. (laughs) It's totally not who I am. I'm very supportive and loving of my country. And uh, this is wholeheartedly me endorsing my state and my Arabness. Please don't sue us. Please don't kill kill us. They're not going to kill us. They don't. (laughs) Razi <laughs> just did you know like he just looked at the door to see if somebody walked in I think it was maybe my wife on the other side <laughs> I think I my black jeep senses are tingling <laughs> yeah because statistically speaking we're gonna get one death threat for this do you know what I mean like at, at some know, point I, I would be very happy to get a death threat it, it it's would a mean bit that flattering I, right it means I, I did something right so like, I did or said something that affected someone on such an emotional level that I have not been able to do it like 25 25- Years of writing poetry. <laughs> is this is it just the poetry? Is it just also your frustration in journalism? Just the the ability to to just follow the system, and you have to kind of like you know, you you have to stay low. You have to be reasonable, mm. and you don't want to take sides. You don't want to you know be outrageous. You don't want to follow the train of thought here that it's all about you know, this is not fair. <laughs> this is unjust. You want to just get a job, make it work, and and not lose your your position in society, right? Like. Journalism, it's a lot easier because uh, ideally what you want to do is tell like tell the news. Right. As much and as a fair and balanced way as possible without taking sides or without anything. And when it comes to uh, stories that are related to people and their, you know, their stories, their suffering, whatever, you want to tell their story as well. You want to have like their successes or their struggles known to people. Yeah. And that uh, that 
to me, those kind of personal stories where I get to talk about, you know, uh, someone who has been doing art for like 20 years, who finally won an award. Right. Who, or like a, uh, I just wrote an article about this kid called uh, Said Hashem. Mm. Te- you might know him as Tekken Master. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is like one of the world champions in he, Bahrain. He, yeah, yeah, he is an amazing like Injustice 2 and uh, Mortal Kombat player. Uh, these are fighting games, uh, uh, like arcade fighting games on the consoles. Again, we brought it back mm-hmm. gaming for those of you that don't know. And the, he has been like taking part in tournaments on international levels, going up against the best of the best right. on an international level. And it is so cool to share those stories with people, even if they're like, you know, the people reading the newspaper don't really care about that. But seeing like, oh, yeah, this kid from Bahrain is doing th- those things on an international level. Right, He's right. taking his hobby, making a living out of it and putting Bahrain on the map. Yeah, and I can imagine as well, uh, you know, there's a lot of topics that to both you and me and our backgrounds are very off limits to, to you know, want to publicize and, you know, be, be uh, taking one side or another about. So these kinds of stories always feel like our real outlet. Mm-hmm. They're the things we want to focus on. They're the things that we're proud of. They're the things that we're like. You know, there's more to the story than just the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, we're joking about politics and religion all the time, but it's not really... It's not really our passion. The passion has been what this real whole episode is about, is that we're just like everybody else. And I'm going to find them probably with the other people as well when I'm talking to Tariq or any of the other artists. You know, if you're you're talking about, you know, a music creator or a content creator or, uh, you know, I got got a guy, Mohamed Dosri. He's like a a kite surfer here in Bahrain. Mm -hmm. And he started up his own little uh, business and kite surfing wasn't really a big thing here. And he brought it in kind of like, well, he, he was part of the original community of people that brought it in. And he made it into a business, made it into a community, tried to support himself and, and get it running. And when you see him, you know, bridging barriers and divides to get this thing to kind of like penetrate the mindset that's here. Mm-hmm. And especially like if, if I was living in Saudi, you'd see a lot of like people that would be uh, uh, turned off by the idea of what is this new and, and like un, un, unusual mysterious well, thing and like I, I said people don't like things that are new and trendy yeah unless you're bedouin and then you're like <laughs> wholeheartedly into it because you're bored as it's fucking hipsters man no, they are they're, yeah they are our hipsters but yeah th- those those stories and those people i feel like they're they're the ones that you know like they, we can e- feel either like we fell in love with those love with them or have passion with their stories and passion with their like what they've been able to achieve mm-hmm. and at the same time, they're an outlet for our frustration and rage because we're like, well, we can't do anything else in that side. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't talk about those things. We can't talk about this or that. Or they who shall not be named. God damn it, man. Well, that's, I think we're, yeah, we're, we're over our time right now. We're a bit, a bit over an hour, I think. Yeah. So um, we've, got, we've got more episodes to come with Ghazi. And uh, I really like this, uh, this session. There's a, lot, there's a lot to go over here, a lot to unpack. A lot of stories and details that we might have brushed over. And I apologize if uh, we did have technical issues. I can hear the pop every now and then. I can hear my sound kind of fading in and out. And you can see the inexperience and a lot of cringeworthy moments, I'm sure. What? Uh, No, never. (laughs) How dare you, sir? How dare you? We are professional actors. (laughs) Actors. (laughs) Pure thespians here. (laughs) You can tell you're Arab because you said thespian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not thespian thespian thespian, thespian. Uh, yeah so thank you guys for uh, 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 kind of downloading uh, tuning in or uh, subscribing and uh, stay tuned for the coming episodes uh, this has been Khalid Dosri and Ghazi Shahabi here at Bedouin Banter good night